Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? We're talking about a hot topic and a question I get regularly, and that is, is it okay or should I work out while I'm fasted? And I've got a guest on with us today whom I'm really honored to have on the podcast and really excited to have this discussion with. I've been following her for years. Her name is Melissa McAllister. She's a well-known fitness professional, entrepreneur, and also an NTP. And fasting and fitness is her wheelhouse. And I am pumped to get to dive into this topic with her. Welcome, Melissa, to the Christian Health Club podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you. And your introduction is like, okay, I need to steal that because I need to say that about myself. That was, you coined coined me so well in such, in like two sentences. I was like, dang, that was perfect. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. Well, yeah, well, I I feel like um, I I really have been following you for quite some time. And actually we have a mutual listener uh, follower. Her name's Jonna Busher. And she reached out to me and said, I love you and I love Melissa. And I think it would be so cool for y'all to do a podcast together. And I was like, yeah, I follow Melissa too. I, I She's kind of big time. I don't know if she has time oh, to come gosh. on my little podcast, but that's what gave me the impetus to reach out. And you were so quick and gracious to respond and say, let's do it. So I'm very grateful to have you here. Um, I was really excited and impressed to see you go through NTA to become a nutritional therapist because you already have many years and a really thriving health business under your belt. And so I knew it was because you must have a deep love of learning and wanting to better understand the effect of nutrition on the body. And so before we start talking about fasted workouts, I would love for you to tell us more about your background, how you got into the health space and just how that's evolved for you. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, uh, and for the listeners, I asked her, I said, how long can I talk about this? I'm going to really try to give you a short version, but I was born with severe birth defects in my feet and uh, all the medical, the military doctors kept telling my parents they'd have to amputate at the ankle to stop the bone growth uh, due to Agent Orange. And they finally found a doctor, uh, their last attempt, who said, I think I can save her feet. And so he whittled bone away and was able to, quote unquote, save my feet. So I had them, but he said, you know, she probably will never be able to walk or even wear shoes. And my mom would kill me for not getting this right. I think I was 14 months when I stood up with two casts up to my uh, thighs and walked around the room. I didn't take a couple steps. I walked around the room. And so she said from that point on, she couldn't keep me down. So I have always uh, appreciated and loved the fact that I'm able to move. And although my poor mother, I have given her a million heart attacks because they always said, please don't let her be too active because uh, if she is, she will wear at her feet and be in a wheelchair at the age of 35. That's very hard to do for a child. And so my mom tried really hard not to put me in sports or she put me in softball and I was right field because I was terrible and nothing happens in right field. And I was in basketball and I sat on the bench the whole time because there were much better basketball players, but that was me attempting to play sports. And then to get my letter, because I had a letterman's jacket, uh, the school made an exception for me and created this uh, uh, thing called the country club manager (laughs) and gave me a letter for being manager of country club, which was funny because I, you know, I personally had never ran a day in my life because I was told I shouldn't and I couldn't. So uh, I just had a really hard time with being kind of held down. uh, And my mom was just doing what she knew to do to keep me uh, healthy. But uh, as soon as I got out of high school, I went to college. (laughs) I went to college for dietetics, actually, and completed 
I completed it all. I did all of the nutritional courses. The only few courses I had left were um, the boring ones that nobody wants to do, like history. And I think chemistry too. I barely passed chemistry one. Um, but I had had two babies in that meantime and decided just to concentrate on raising the babies at home. So never completed that four-year degree, but continued to learn and also got really big into fitness and uh, became a fitness instructor, then a manager at a gym. And then I became what they called the video talent team where I was in over, gosh, it was probably close to 60 consumer fitness videos. And the cool thing was, and I have to give props to Shalene Johnson is she uh, would do Pio with her. And Pio is a yoga and Pilates mix workout where everybody's barefoot. And she would always let me wear these little uh, like ballet slippers when I did it because I was embarrassed and uncomfortable showing my feet back in the day. And she was perfectly okay with me having these shoes on, even though it raised a lot of like red flags. People were saying, shouldn't you be barefoot? Don't you want your toes to grip into the, the mat and all that stuff? And so she was wonderful for that and just really gave me confidence. And over the years, I just continued to grow as a fitness professional and uh, was just studying and taking courses when it came to nutrition. That's my my biggest deep-seated love. I am obsessed with how uh, food and lifestyle affect the body and your well-being. And I've taken a ton of courses. And then uh, NTA, uh, Nutritional Therapy Association, uh, it accidentally came into my uh, peripheral. And I looked into it and I told my husband, I said, I think I really want to do this. It looks like it really aligns with what I believe in. And he was like, oh, absolutely. And um, I just this morning messaged Mallory from NTA and told her that what a, what a pivotal moment that was for me. This uh, course is incredible. I mean, it's literally, and you can attest to this, it's near 10 months of nothing but focused work on, on the human body and symptoms and how to help people through these, you know, these ailments that they have. And I've loved it and it's kept me going. Now I'm looking into doing um, a new course. And so from that point on several years ago, uh, I graduated from uh, NTA. Uh, my daughter has gone through the program now and she's also an NTP and her and I have the best conversations because <laughs> we share all the stories that we have. And I get the opportunity to do assessments with people um, alongside with, you know, being a business owner and, and being a, a little bit influential on social media. Oh, that's amazing. I knew a little bit of your story, but not in your feed, but not, I did not know it to that extent. And um, I I actually found you through Shalene Johnson and doing those videos with you in there. Yeah, that's how I found you. Um, and I think that that is just what an incredible story. And I love this because I tell my audience, you know, there are so many people who would love to have the ability to be able to move their body. Um, yes. I think we take that for granted and it is such a gift and such a blessing when you can. And so I, I love that you put it that way and it gave you such perspective for life to appreciate yes. the exercise and movement of the body. I think that's just so beautiful. Um, well, let's, let's dive into our topic. Um, okay. I, you're a, you are, how long have you been intermittent fasting? Well, just tell us kind of about that. How, how did you yeah. get into that? And, um, and why did you start using that as a tool for your um, health and fitness journey? Yeah, I, I've, so I started teaching group exercise at the age of 26, which was 22, 22 years ago. <laughs> and we're the um, same age. How about that? Yay. <laughs> well, you don't look it. So yay. Um, and I would always exercise. I'd go to the gym on an empty stomach. Um, but when I started teaching, um, I would try to be a fitness professional. And I was also a master trainer, uh, meaning I would teach other people how to teach. Uh, and I'd list, oh, I would read all of the oxygen and fitness and her magazines. And they would always talk about the six meals a day and eating first thing in the morning to rev your metabolism and to get your body going. And so I really tried. <laughs> I tried to get up in the morning because I didn't teach too early. Uh, and I would eat something uh, and my energy level and my my feeling, I just, I felt bogged down with food in my stomach. My energy level wasn't near what it was. And anyone that has ever taken my classes will tell you uh, I'm very hard to compete with. I'm just, I'm 
balls to the wall, excuse my French, I go for it. And so, you know, and I felt good doing that fasted plenty of water. I would have my coffee in the morning, but I just did better without food in my system. And I've never been one to go to bed before I sleep because I, again, I noticed that my sleep was terrible if I had a full belly. I didn't know that was technically intermittent fasting until again, uh, Micheline Johnson should sponsor this podcast. Um, Her and I were having a conversation because uh, I was a master trainer for her. And she, being a a business person, said, you really need to come out with an ebook." And I was like, huh? And I said, I I don't know what to talk about. And she said, you are always camera ready. And she says, all the other girls always have to, quote unquote, diet down before we film a video. She says, but you don't. You always look the same. And she says, you do something different. And I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) I eat just like everybody else does. And now that I reflect, I think there was a part of me that was almost ashamed to admit that I skipped breakfast because, you know, it was so unhealthy. And um, finally, I said, well, I don't eat breakfast. And she just went, aha. She goes, that's it. She's like, you don't eat breakfast? And I was like, no, I never have. I just feel better eating or either exercising or teaching class on an empty stomach. And she says, that's it. She goes, you need to do research. So that was the beginning of me really researching this thing called intermittent fasting. And uh, so that has been, uh, you know. I've been doing it for 20 something years and I have been, I would consider myself an expert for the last 10 years. Wow. So that was just instinctive for you. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's fascinating. And in case anybody has um, not seen Melissa in person, um, uh, yes, you are very fit enviable abs. I think you're, you're known for that. Just really, um, just a a beautifully fit body and just so much energy and just beautiful and, and, um, you know, in spirit and, and body just been very, um, inspiring to see you work out and, you know, see you work out and, um, follow you for that because you just, um, you really are very consistent, um, in what you eat and how you fast and, and you, and you show that. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's a real testament and having that be instinctive because yes, you know, but we've always heard and people, I think the tide has changed a little bit, but so many people have been under the impression that you have to eat all these small meals a day, um, to be fit, to stoke your metabolism. I'm like, listen, your metabolism is stoked when you're not eating and you're burning fat, right? <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah, it's totally different. But I think this question comes up a lot for me in uh, my programs because I have a, a program called Feast to Fast. And, mm-hmm. there, you know, everyone's like, is it, should I be fasting? Is it okay? Is it dangerous? You know, isn't breakfast the most important meal of the day? And am I going to, you know, you know, is it dangerous? Am I going to not have enough energy? So kind of speak to that. I mean, what, what, is it okay for most people to do it? Um, and, and why is it good to, why is it helpful? What kind of health benefits does it have to work out while you are fasted? Yeah. If you'll let me preface it by saying, uh, we, we humans take things to the extreme. We always do. If something we find out is something is good, then we take it to the next level and the next level and the next level. And that could be exercise that could be, uh, you know, running the the five minute mile. Now, what are we trying to get to three minute? I don't know. Making cars that, you know, could, could do zero to 60 in six seconds. And now they're pushing two seconds. I actually, uh, my husband would kill me if I didn't get that right. I think it's, they're getting to like 1.5 seconds. It's crazy. We take things to the extreme and the way that we eat is no different. Um, we will, you know, take fasting, which is healthy. And then we will take it to the extreme. We will take the how good, you know, when we find out that fat isn't bad for us, it's actually really good for us. And we'll take it to the extreme and we'll become keto. And I don't mean extreme is bad. We'll t- we'll find out that protein is really important. Guess what? We'll take it to the extreme and we will become carnivores. We'll find out from somebody that meat is bad. And so we'll become vegan. So we take things to the extreme and people have done that with fasting. And I think that's where it gets the bad connotation. I It just blows my mind because technically, Yes, you do. Well, you do fast when you sleep, depending on, as you know, how much you've eaten, how soon you ate before you went to bed, whether or not you're truly in a fasted state while you sleep. But you could be in a little tiny window of fasting while you sleep. 
Um, but what what in the world has made people think that by not eating right when they wake up and then not eating, you know, a, a couple of hours before they go to bed is somehow not healthy? And the only way I can wrap my brain around that is that people are thinking of these social media sites. I don't know people talking about these extremes, you know, the one meal a day, which I don't think is a bad thing to do every once in a while, but I don't think it's something you should do every day as well. And so it's these extremes that are causing people to go, I could never do that. You know, that has to be so unhealthy to not eat, you know, two times a week or whatever they feel is extreme. And so I think that's where it's getting that. Yeah, I think yeah, you're so right. We do take things to the extreme. Um, <laughs> and for some people, um, I, I think that, you know, fasting for a lot of people, especially, you know, coming from my perspective, my angle, my audience, you know, when we think of fasting, I mean, um, in biblical fasting, you know. Jesus fasted 40 days. I'm like, we don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, we don't have to do three day fasts. We don't have to do yeah. um, those aren't, you know, those can be helpful every once in a while to do longer fasts. But I always mm-hmm. so remind people, God made our bodies to be metabolically flexible and we honor him when we um, allow our bodies to be able to go, you know, through these times of feeding and fasting, when we have these kind of clear windows, I mean, our bodies are made for that. Our bodies are made to burn fat in that fasting window. And we've just really lost touch with it, um, with fasting spiritually, um, and physically, um, over these years. And so to me, it makes, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, I, I too don't think people just got right up and started, you know, mowing food down <laughs> the second they got out of bed. And, but, you know, I, before I became um, a nutrition professional, and I tell people this, when my blood sugar was so dysregulated, I had mm. to eat soon after I got up. Yes. You know, I yeah. couldn't go with, I couldn't go without food is because my, uh, I was not metabolically flexible. My body could not use fat for energy and I needed to stuff my face as soon as I got up or I felt like I was going to pass out. Um, and, and I remember, um, a friend of mine, every time I was with her, we'd get together and she, we would go walk or go exercise and she would not have eaten. And I tried to keep up with her. So I, I wouldn't eat either. And I thought I was going to die. And I was like, she is so, I can't believe she doesn't eat breakfast. I mean, that's so bad for you. You know, it's right. so, so judgmental. And now I can see is because she had her blood sugar regulated and I didn't. And now I, I love, um, first thing in the morning, I go on a I walk about almost four miles in a fasted state and I, um, and I love it. It's my, my favorite time of the day. Um, but, but it's, you know, I think again, people can take things to the extreme, but also, you know, there, you, you might need to work into that. If you're somebody like I was who had blood sugar dysregulation, I I couldn't have gotten, you know, fasted, uh, worked out while I was fasted. So I, I think we have to, for some people ease into it. Correct. Yes. And again, you will hear, um, I hear, hear it a lot, especially in the medical profession that they will say that if you feel like skipping breakfast, then, you know, you have adrenal dysfunction and I'm not contesting that. That could absolutely be one of the reasons, but it could also be a reason that you are very nourished and you're very metabolically flexible and you don't wake up hungry. You know, people always say, you know, you've gone so long without eating. Don't you need that food? Well, even even myself, I'm pretty lean. You know, I have fat stores. I have uh, sugar stores in my muscles. I have it in my liver. I'm good. The body does that intentionally to keep you from feeling like you have to think and worry about food all the time. We were never meant to every couple of hours going, okay, what's what's the next thing to eat? And it's if fasting is anything, it's incredibly freeing <laughs> because you're only having to, you know, really think about food three times a day, max. Three, you know, three solid meals a day. Some people do great with two meals a day and a snack. But I I love the fact that you know, I don't wake up hungry. Uh, My body tells me when I'm hungry. It's usually just a little bit after my workout could be an hour or two after my workout. And uh, I have a very satiating meal and I'm legit not hungry. If I eat at six and I go to bed at nine, because I'm a grandma, I am still very satisfied. You know, I'm not hungry and I'm also not stuffed. So, and that's the way the body's supposed to work. Exactly. So for somebody that, um, 
wakes up and is trying to, you know, stay in a fasted state um, and they want to go work out. Mm-hmm. Is there a, a better exercise to do in a fasted state? Like, are there some exercises that are that are okay to do in a fasted state? Um, are there some that are not? Cardio, strength training, does it matter? Can we do any kind of exercise in a fasted state? Yeah, let me first, if, if you'll allow me to, I always like to share data and personal experience. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not superhuman by any means, but I have worked out fasted hard. I have done some, I mean, when I would teach my turbo kick and my pio back to back, um, it was, it was challenging. And I've, I've get my, I had my blood work drawn on Tuesday. It actually came in today and I'm very excited to see it. It's almost like I have to do that to show people that uh, if you are, you know, relatively speaking, a healthy individual, that this doesn't cause the stresses that you hear, but you hear a lot of people say that it will cause that. And uh, if you are very used to breakfast, you are going to wake up in the morning and tell yourself you are, quote unquote, starving. And I always tell people not to use that word. You don't understand that word. You are not starving. (laughs) Get that word out of your vocabulary. And number two, there's a difference between, you know, genuine hunger and then cravings or just, you know, the Pavlonian theory where you just think you need to eat because it's a habit. My, I have that too, you know, between 10, 30 and 11, my, my body's like, okay, it's time to eat. I know I'm genuinely hungry, but I also know it's habit at that point. So if you're used to eating, you're going to feel off. Absolutely. And so there's so many different ways you can go about it. You can just slowly push that window out, you know, 30 minutes every couple days, once a week, uh, or you can just start pulling back how much you eat. And you might find that sweet spot, you know, pushing it 30 minutes later, you'll find, okay, this was a good time for me. I, you know, I was able to get through it, not feeling too hungry, but I also didn't get to the point that I was super hungry. And then with the food, you can be like, okay, maybe I can't completely fast, but I can have, you know, a, a, a bite of egg or something and, and feel better uh, through my workout than to actually have a whole breakfast. Oh, yeah. and you, I don't mean to cut you off, but you also said, you know, what kind of exercise? And I uh, do both. I do my cardio and my strength training personally. Um Again, if you you have stores, <laughs> you have a lot of sugar stored in your body and a lot of you know reserved fat in your body to use for fuel. You're not you're not going to ca- catabolize your your muscle. I always tell people to think about it this way: if we know, I've been trying for years to build muscle. It's very hard to do, and it's a very slow process. I mean, if you're lucky, you'll you'll add a half a pound to a pound of muscle a month of just trying really hard. How long does it take to add a half a pound or a pound of fat? It's not very difficult. It happens quite, I mean, it happens, you turn around three times, you're like, what happened? Where these seven pounds come from? Your body makes it easy to store the fat and it makes it easy for you to use the fat. It's not going to go after this very hard to earn muscle when you're in a state of running out of the glucose and having to, you know, build up and, and have the liver secrete these ketones. It's just crazy to me that, that people think that, you know, they're going to lose all their muscle and all their hard work goes out the window because they don't eat right away. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I, I, and I've had just a, you know, over the years, um, again, it's just, you kind of, you know, have to meet people where they're at and they might need some time, but, um, you know, I, I walk every, almost every day while I'm fasted and, and quite often do my strength training sessions while I'm fasted too, because I, I just, I feel great. I have energy and I want to do it then. Um, and I'd, I'd always kind of wondered if I was, you know, if I was breaking down or you, not, not really breaking down muscle, but just being in that catabolic state. It's like, is this bad? I'm, you know, I'm in this catabolic state and I'm, I'm strength training. Um, but really you build up, um, you're building up your muscle really in the repair, right? Not yeah. so much in the work of the working out. And, you know, right in front of me, Chelsea, I have my last DexaFit. I get a DexaFit scan every, um, I try to do it like every three months. Sometimes um, I get a little bit later than that. But being, you know, someone who's turning 49 next month, I always want to continue with muscle growth and maintain fat loss. And the last time that I did my DEXA scan, 
And keep in mind, I work out probably five days a week, 45 minutes max. I shouldn't say that. The programs are 45 minutes. I never do the abs <laughs> or the stretching. Um, I'm lazy that way. So they're about 35 minutes. Uh, and I do try to lift heavy, but I don't go astronomical because, you know, I do have a limit on the size I want my muscles to be. And uh, the last one I had, I had gained muscle and I had lost body fat, which I wasn't even trying. And I have done this for 20 something years. So I know I'm just one person, but again, I'm just an average person. And I do these intentionally to show people that you can build muscle, lose body fat and, you know, exercise in a fasted state. If that's what works for you or something that you want to try, get that notion out of your head that it's going to slow down your progress because I'm proof that it doesn't. Oh, I love that. I just had a deck, my first DEXA scan, like within the last few months. That's so, that's awesome that you brought that up. I really encourage people to do that. I mean, it's really so often associated, you know, people will go in for the bone part of it, you know, to assess bone health. And it's not even recommended until you're like in your sixties. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> go yeah. in like when, you know, and, and really it's very motivating to find out your fat mass versus your lean mass and get an early assessment on your bone health. So, you know, yes. don't wait on that. But wow, you do them that often. That's... Yes, I do. Well, yeah, I guess it's, you know, but that's great because then you do have that data to show that you can build muscle and um, be healthy working out in this fasted state. I think that's um, that's fantastic. That really speaks to people. I, you, I've i had people, um, clients who, you know, are, do ask, is, you know, can, is it okay to... Uh, play tennis, for instance, I'm thinking of one of my clients in particular, and she plays tennis. And she's like, can I, you know, is that is that a good thing to do to go and play a, a rigorous tennis game while I'm fasted? And I said, you know, if it, if it feels good for you, and you know, anybody mm -hmm. trying this for the first time might have, a, you know, a little bit of a um, transition time where they've got to get used to it. But then, you know, you know yourself, if you're kind of bonking out and not, um, not playing up to speed like you normally do. Maybe you have a little something before you go, um, but maybe it works really well for you to um, go play tennis fasted or whatever you might be doing. But if somebody did feel better eating a little something, like you said, like a bite of egg or something before they go, what, I mean, is that, what do you recommend if somebody wants to just have a little bit of something before they go? Would it be egg? Would it be, you know, you always hear protein, carb. I would love to get your perspective on, you know, eating protein and carbs, do we need that, you know, before we go? Obviously, you don't have to, but what would be best before if you were going to eat something? What is good in the in the post-workout window? Is the timing, you know, necessary? All that good stuff. I recently heard you speak to this on one of your podcasts, and I loved it. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to have her, I'm going to have her bring that up. So, you know, share that with us. You bet. So keep in mind, fasting is a stressor and it's a good stressor. You know, this is what makes your body stronger, just like strength training, just like running. You know, you become your heart and your, your heart and your lungs become stronger. Strength training, your muscles become stronger. Your metabolism becomes stronger when you fast. Uh, but it is a stressor. And so uh, there's a study. Uh, you can find it on PubMed. It's six, nine, eight. Three, four, six, seven <laughs> for my people that like their studies. Um, and it says that the collective data suggests that different fasting practices decrease body weight and fat in both trained and untrained subjects, meaning that whether you've you know been working out for a while or you've never worked out before, there was you know a, a positive effect on the weight loss and the fat loss. Uh, what, but the study did say that for like endurance and performance athletes, um, there needs to be more data on that. And, and I have read a lot that performance does suffer a little bit if you are uh, fasting and that having a little bit of food in your system will help with performance. Let me speak on that though, because here I am again telling you that I, if you guys have never had a camera in front of your face when you're doing a fitness video and you have to, you literally have to give 150 to 200% because your movements have to be bigger than life. Because if they're not, you kind of look just bleh on camera. Uh, I considered myself a performance athlete and I, I, I don't know. I didn't feel again, like I was hindering myself. I would eat very quickly afterwards because they had this beautiful display of food out. How could I not? <laughs> so I would eat immediately afterwards, but I just felt better doing that on that empty stomach. So it, it something like tennis, if you are going crazy and you really feel like you are depleting all of those glyc glycogen stores within that workout or that 
you know, enjoyment of the sport that whatever you're doing, or you're going for performance, like you want to be an Olympian or you want to be in the CrossFit game, something like that. That might be a different story. But for us, average Joe that want to build muscle, want to lose body fat, want to have good cognition, want to have healthy guts, um, you know, want to be at a healthy weight, then, uh, you know, doing these fasted workouts, I think is best. Fantastic. And so is there anything to, you know, timing protein or carbs in, you know, in that post-workout window that's of any importance? Yeah, that I get asked that a lot. That's one of my, my top questions. And you did ask me about what to eat. Uh, so beforehand, um, there's, uh, I just recently dissected this study uh, and I can't, t- I could probably find it if, if you really want me to look for it, but I'm hoping you'll just trust me. I will trust um, you. Okay, this study, uh, and it was talking about the subject of, uh, you know, your when you eat foods, meal timing and body composition. And the study was showing that we do metabolize carbohydrates and protein better earlier in the day and fats later in the day. Uh, That's just part of the circadian rhythm, uh, which uh, is fascinating and is causing me to shift my intermittent fasting window just a little bit sooner because, you know, we now know that the hypothalamus has that master clock, but um, our cells and our organs and our glands have clocks within themselves too. And some work better different times of the day. And so uh, for, you know, unless you're a shift worker, um, my, my hat's off to my shift workers. It's such hard work. But um, so you, you want to, I don't want anybody uh, to freak out that they have to change the way that they eat dramatically because of this, you know, realization. But protein and carbohydrates, you know, rich meals are probably better in the earlier part of the day. And then you can have a little bit more of your healthier fats closer to the evening. So I would suggest that when you go to break your fast, um, technically 12 hours is fasting. And I don't necessarily think that you have to do anything too different because it's it's like bare minimum. I mean, you've only had not had food in your belly for a very short amount of time. Uh, versus when you get up to the 16 hours or longer. But if it's like a 16 hour fast or longer then think things like fermented yogurts that could be coconut or, you know, dairy based yogurt, bone broth, sauerkraut uh, is a big one and like lower sugar kombucha because your stomach is empty. It's been in the healing process and that just helps the healing process. So it's just like a double whammy. Okay. So, you know, I, I kind of always tell people or just I think people think of themselves as a lot bigger of a like you said, we're all kind of average Joes. And I think we are but we see these, these um, athletes or these influencers who are like timing all of their things and they're, they are maybe going for that more performance. I'm like, hey, we're just an average person. We mm-hmm. it's not it's, you know, just eat real food, work yes. out, do some intermittent fasting, you are, you know, you are not um, being, you know, Mrs. Universe or Mr. Universe, we don't have to do like this, you know, if you're like a bodybuilder and you're doing competitive bodybuilding, yes, maybe you want to do a little bit of this kind of timing. But, um, I think for the most of us, it's just really getting your, um, you know, hitting some nice macronutrient ratios and eating healthfully. And I think that will do it. Right. You know, Chelsea, that's one of the things that get me on my soapbox is because a lot of these uh, fitness influencers, as beautiful as they are, it's almost their job to be in the gym, you know, and they're in there for hours a day, uh, unlike the busy mom who has to try to squeeze in a 20 minute workout a day. And these people that are, you know, doing fitness competitions, CrossFit competitions, or just, you know, they live in the gym because they, they like to take videos of them working out and that's just their space, which is wonderful. But they're burning through (laughs) the glycogen way more than, you know, Molly, who's got three small kids at home. And, you know, it's everything she can just to get a shower in once a week. And so it's completely different. But yet these influencers are giving the the average person, you know, permission to to eat the cookie, which don't get me wrong, eat the cookie. But they don't they don't specify that the way that they work out and the the dialed in nutrition that they have allows them to have that and metabolize it faster versus, you know, uh, say somebody who's, you know, metabolically unhealthy, has a job where they sit all day, um, doesn't love exercise, doesn't know what to eat, you know, for them to eat the cheap meals and to have that stuff, 
as often or as often as these people say they have it, which I really don't think they do, um, but they want the likes, they, they give the wrong impression to the person who really should, you know, watch that. And, and that is a whole different podcast of abstinence versus moderation. But I just think people need to understand that you do have to be careful in what stage of life you are. And if you're following people who don't have the same lifestyle as you, um, you might not want to take the advice that they're giving you. You want to find people, you want to find the busy mom, or you want to find the person who, you know, travels all the time and doesn't get to get to a gym or doesn't get to stand up often because they live on a plane. Those are the kind of people you want to follow, but yet they still live a healthy lifestyle. That's who you want to emulate, not the person who lives in the gym and has a, you know, a nutritionist making meal plans for them and um, literally spends two or three hours a day in the gym. That's a completely different person. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I think that's what's happening a lot and and people are following advice that is completely unrelated or unrealistic for their lifestyle. Um, sure. So that is important. I love that you brought up circadian rhythm. Um, and, you know, I've kind of always naturally broken my fast at around 9 a.m. And then I kind of wrap it up at around 6 six to seven, sometimes earlier. It just kind of depends. But also mm -hmm. I tell people, you know, fasting, I think fasting is also something that is, um, can seasonally change. You know, we're, the earth is not static. We are not static. And for years, you know, I would have, um, I would not only eat more carbs, like in the summertime, but I just had trouble fasting is long. And I, yeah. you know, I was like, gosh, my, I just, I suck at this, you know, <laughs> like, what, what is my problem? But real, then more, the more I learn, and then it, you know, it was just like my body's instinct is like, the light is longer. Yes. There are a more seasonally more carbs available during the summer. It is more mm -hmm. natural to have a longer fasting window, a longer feeding window in the summer, maybe a little shorter fasting window. And then in the wintertime, that would be opposite when the light is shorter, um, we would have a longer fasting window and a, and a shorter feeding window. So I think that's something for people to be aware of, too, is, you know, fasting and feeding and thinking about that in a, a seasonal context. And also your circadian rhythm and, and really um, eating, uh, I say really eating with the sun, you know, like I like mm -hmm. to say eating with the sun, like the sunlight and eating with the sun, eating with Jesus and being grateful for oh. the food. But um, if you're eating within, you know, eat. If within a couple, you know, two to three hours after the sun comes up and two to three hours before the, the sun goes down. And I think that's a, you know, kind of an easy, loose target to, to shoot for. But um, it's just, it's something that's becoming more um, known. And I think that's important. And our uh, digestive organs just work better during the daylight hours as it is. And so it all works together so, so well. And I know that you read the, um, you were recently talking about uh, the circadian rhythm book. I love that book. It's just so eye opening and all the mice studies and such that are in there is fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. The circadian code, uh, Dr. Sachin Panda is, he's hard to listen to. <laughs> I've tried to listen to his, his YouTube uh, videos and stuff, but he's a very, very good read and it's a very easy read, but it's mind blowing. I don't think I have highlighted a book more than I have that one. And he's, you know, he's the one in all the studies that he does, the extensive studies that he's done, you know, he's the one that suggests you wait at least, and this isn't intermittent fasting, this is just your body at its healthiest, that you wait at least an hour, if not two hours before you start eating because your body's not awake yet. You've got to, you know, allow the hormones to turn on and the juices to flow and your brain to turn on before you start, you know, shoveling food in. And then you have to go to digesting, let your body have the moment turn on and be like, okay, I'm ready for the day, then give it some food and then go about your day. And uh, one of the studies that I read too, uh, when it came to protein is, and I, for those of you that want to build muscle, um, and I've been trying to practice this myself, uh, although it's, it's nuance, uh, it still can't hurt, is that our uh, muscle uh, protein synthesis is strongest by 10 a.m.-esque. And so it's really, it's important to get protein, which is such a hot topic right now to get, you know, enough protein throughout your day, but make sure that your first meal is very, if anything, it's heavier in protein than the, the subsequent meals, because that's when your body is going to do the best job of taking that protein and helping with, you know, muscle growth. So, um, I also wanted to answer your question, which you keep asking me, which is <laughs> 
maybe you're way off into left field, is that I do believe that the supplement companies really, um, well, McDonald's was, you know, breakfast is the most important meal a day, Kellogg's, all them. It's, it's about sales. And I do think that the supplement companies really took on the snacks. You know, that's why we need a snack is because they sell snacks and having that 30 to 45 minute anabolic, or, uh, yeah, anabolic window where you're going to grow your muscle and you have to feed it protein, a little bit of carbohydrates. That's really been debunked. Now, I'm not saying if you're not looking to be Arnold Schwarzenegger and you want to disproportionately grow your muscle to the point that it's interesting looking. If, if that is your goal, uh, more power to you. Um, then he may want to have his protein shake 45 minutes after he does this heavy lifting. But again, for us average folk, and I consider myself average and I have great muscle mass, um, still average. I side note, I think my physique comes from my nutrition and not my workouts. I don't work out that hard. <laughs> it's from good nutrition, but, uh, you don't have to have that protein within that certain time frame. What matters is how long you've had it within that 24 hour period. But then again, you want to get a little bit picky, you know, having protein in the morning before 10 AM. And that's very, very picky. Um, but the circadian rhythm is strongest for protein muscle synthesis by 10 AM. So have, you know, if you can, if it works for your schedule, try to have, you know, a good amount of protein, uh, before, you know, the clock strikes 12. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, that right there. I think you just answered so many people's questions and laid so many things to rest about this whole, you know, meal timing specific to right after your workout. And again, I think that's, that may be applicable to some a bodybuilder or competitor, but just for us, us average peeps, I think just again, getting enough protein throughout the day. Do you have a protein target that you aim for? Yeah. In all of my studies, uh, which I've, I, as soon as some, I start to hear you know, things really buzzing on social media. I dive in really hard and, um, you know, people were getting pretty, um, crazy again, taking things to the extreme on how much protein we, we should have. And, you know, and I'm also a big fan of Dr. Longo. Um, and he's the longevity expert. I want to live a long time. <laughs> I don't not only want to live looking and feeling my best, but I also would like to live a long time. And, you know, there is some studies that show that, higher protein, excessively high protein, you know, could not be beneficial for longevity of life. And so there's that happy medium. I mean, the, the longevity experts will say 10 to 15% of your total calorie intake. And then you've got the, the muscle people, I was going to say the meatheads, but that's not very nice. The, the muscle people, I'm a meathead because I do <laughs> have more protein. Um, we'll say, you know, 30 to 40%. And I do think um, I tried to hit 30%, which is higher than, you know, what Dr. Longo would want me to have. But then it's probably also less than Dr. Sean Baker, Mr. Carnivore would want me to have, but it works for me. Um, I really think that 30% uh, protein is doable. So I don't obsess and, and like feel like I failed at the end of the day because I didn't hit my protein goal, but it also keeps me in check, making sure that I have enough protein with each meal. And uh, other than that, um, I, I do love fat. I've always loved fat. I've never been, I, well, I used to be afraid of it. I, I'd eat a bagel and fat-free cream cheese after my workout when I was in my 20s. <laughs> I was fat phobic as well until I educated myself. So now my diet is about 45% fat and about 20, 40 to 45. And my carbs are about 20 to 25%, uh, very fibrous carbohydrates. Yeah, very... Um vegetable forward. Yes. Protein and veggies. That's what I, that's what I see you eating a lot, which is, I mean, really the ideal, that's the ideal plate right there. Um, well, you told me that's what my anchor meal was. And I have right in front of my face, uh, protein and veggie girl. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And you're consistent about it. And it's, I mean, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you showed that, you know, it's, it's consistency. It's not perfection, but it's consistency uh, most of the time. And that's just really an ideal target is, you know, a healthy amount of protein, some um, veggies with uh, served with the healthy fat. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought up, you know, I think it's interesting, this kind of longevity, um, this longevity approach. And I've, I've read that, but then I've also read, you know, because we lose 
muscle mass and bone density as we age. And protein mm-hmm. is such an important part of, um, you know, maintaining muscle mass and bone mass. It's kind of like you have to really find that place. And I think you've found a good happy medium. And that's kind of exactly what I try to do. But, you know, you don't want to live a long time and also be where you, you're not mobile and you can't open a jar and you can't push yourself up out of the chair, you know. Um, that's not quality of living. You can live a long time and, and, um, and not be fully and not be, you know, fully living alive if you, if you're not healthy and you can't move and stuff. And I, and I do think protein is a really important part of keeping, um, that, that muscle capacity and that reservoir of amino acids and good for bone density and all those things. So I think, you know, I think we have to look at both sides. You're right. Like we don't have to take it all the way carnivore, but we don't have to go as, um, low as maybe Dr. Professor Longo would have us do either, you know, it's yes. like striking that kind of middle road. I agree. And I, you know, like I said, I'm, I've never been really extreme on my protein and have still been able to, uh, increase my muscle mass over the years. I mean, at almost 50, I'm still not at the point where I know there's probably going to be a, a point where I, I level out <laughs> and then just, you know, age related sarcopenia, I'm sure eventually it'll start to go back down. But I'm still at the still at the point with, you know, about my 30 percent protein. And, you know, I do want to also say because a lot of people still have uh, that fear of fat. And I, you know, as NTPs, uh, I'm sure you and I both see it a lot. I do see a lot of the fatty acid imbalance and you have to be so careful with where you get your fat, just like with your protein and your carbohydrates. But I, I don't think people take enough time to really pay attention to where their fat is coming from. But if it is, you know, naturally sourced olive oil and coconut oil and you've got those seeds and you've got nuts and you've got, you know, different protein sources, uh, it's incredibly healthy for you. And so don't don't fear it. And please don't think that fat makes you fat. <laughs> fat won't make you fat. That'll make you feel good. Um, you just can't overdo it just like you can't overdo anything else. Don't take it to the extreme. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that... Um that kind of makes me circle back around to, you know, taking people taking things to the extreme and, you know, um, kind of circling back to who may, who may not be a good candidate for fasted workouts. And that might be somebody kind of like you were saying, you know, if somebody's uh, maybe overly stressed because fasting is a stressor, it's a hormetic stressor, just like cold Mm -hmm. plunging, just like exercise. But people hear these things and like, they just go, as you said, balls to the wall. Um, like, and they're like, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to fast for this amount of time. I'm going to do cold plunges. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to, you know, they do all of these things just in, and it can be too much stress on a person, especially a person who is already very stressed. And so I think, you know, the more that I work with people over these years and read all of these different things and really help try to people dial it in, their level of stress is a, a really key thing we have to look at because it can affect, you know, whether a longer fast is good for you or if you should, you know, be doing really hard workouts or a little bit more gentle workouts or if you should, you know, be jumping in a cold pool like five days a week. You know, that yeah. is not good for everybody if you are overly stressed. So I would just say that to, you know, to everyone is you, you kind of have to look at your stress level in your life and, and choose your stressors, you know, um, choose your hermetic stressors and not try to do everything at once. But, you know, maybe a fasted workout is pushing you a little over the edge. And so just to be mindful of that. But I I do think, um, I just feel like, I don't know if you have felt this, but fasting is, you know, been kind of a a darling for a while. And now like with everything, it's kind Mm -hmm. of coming around and getting a little bit of, um, some shots fired at it with this kind of whole pro metabolic movement. Are you, do you feel that same way? Oh, absolutely. You know? <laughs> My inbox is of people sending me, you know, uh, posts and reels and stuff of them saying exactly the opposite of what I say. Uh, and they're, gosh, number one, they're always men, um, which I find interesting. And, you know, I am, a big fan of Dr. Mindy Pels, uh, Cynthia Thurlow, and uh, Dr. Shaw. Dr. Shaw is the smartest 
female doctor on the planet. I mean, she's triple board certified from Harvard, like Oxford. I mean, she's just, she's mind blowing. And if that woman intermittently fast, you bet I'm going to as well. Uh, and in fact, Dr. Um, Mindy Pels has a new book out and she talks about how people say you can't fast if you have a thyroid condition. And she cites this study in the journal Metabolism that says that, yeah, your, your T3 drops a little bit when you fast, but it comes right back up. And so older studies will say that it, you know, it suppresses uh, the thyroid hormones, but newer studies show that it's, it doesn't hurt your thyroid uh, hormones in the long run. And that you, for a healthy thyroid, you need a healthy brain. Fasting makes your brain healthy. You need a healthy gut. Fasting helps your gut be healthy. Uh, There's just, so it's so individual. Um, If you're if your thyroid is wonky, uh, then I always tell people to try to get that, you know, running a little bit better before you do anything else. Um, but don't take fasting off the table because, you know, you could get to the point that, you know, your thyroid is running better or your blood sugar is better. And then you can incorporate that fasting. I think if you are in, in any kind of state of growing, and I mean a child, a teenager, or if you are a woman and you're growing a child inside of you, uh, maybe not fasting, because if anything, you want to try to overnourish yourself at that point, because you're not only, you're not just the average person maintaining their life, you are growing. And when you're growing, you've got to go, which is so doesn't happen these days, but you've got to really concentrate on overnourishing yourself so that your body can do everything it needs to do in that growth mode. Uh, And I also... I've, I've personally had so many people that have come to me with testimonies of fasting, actually helping them if they've had disordered eater, eating or eating disorders. But I still tell people um, not to, or if they do, to you know get professional help if you want to try intermittent fasting to make sure that you stay in that healthy relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, so I think there's just that bio-individuality. And so this kind of... I always say in in the health space, and this is what's so frustrating, is that, you know, there's these darlings and they're like, they get built up, whether it's a macronutrient, like, um, you know, eat all the carbs in the world. Like, you know, as we grew up in like the 80s and 90s, like carbs, carbs, carbs. And now, um, and, and, and fat was bad. And then it's like flip flop, like fat is king, carbs are horrible, you know, protein mm-hmm. kind of comes in there. But it's like they build one up and then they tear it down. They build, you know, and so there's just this kind of cycle of one's popular and then one's not. And then I think with fasting, you know, with all the studies that have come out, it it really gained popularity, which is a wonderful thing. But then when something is, you know, has risen in popularity, then people start wanting to tear it down. And so I think, um, I think a lot of that is the information that's trying, you know, coming, tearing fasting down is really has to do with somebody that is in a very stressed state that comes in and tries to just, you know, fast so long. Yeah. And they're, and add that stressor when maybe they don't need it right now, or maybe they could ease into it a little and not just, you know, try to start out with a 16 hour fast right away. Maybe it's 12 hours and maybe it's just 10, you know, Mm -hmm. to start with. And that is okay. And, and by the way, you know, I tell people too, like 10, if fasting 10 to 12 hours didn't even used to be called fasting, that just used to be called Eating. <laughs> right? They used to be called the kitchen is closed, people go to bed. We don't eat anymore now, you know? And well, that Chelsea, don't you remember? I mean, my mom would always tell me, you know, I, when I would come home from school, I'd want something to eat. She'd say, you, you know, you'd ruin your dinner. And then after dinner, you know, it was, there was nothing else. You know, if I wanted something else to eat after dinner, my mom would be like, well, then you should have ate more dinner. And so, you know, we were three square meals a day, very healthy back then, then snacks started creeping in and we were told that we had to, you know, have all those. And now people on average eat seven times a day. That's the average. And and if we can just break that down using fasting to even just five times a day, you're going to be more metabolically healthy than you are if you have those seven meals a day, trying to squish them into the 16 hours that you're awake. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been um, so good and and just you shined a light on so many different things. We kind of went all over the place, which I love. It's just a real conversation talking about all the good things about fasting, um, which, like you said, digestive health, um, great for fat burning, good for mental clarity, um, so many mm-hmm. things. And then we just um, doing a fasted workout, workout increases all of those benefits if you're in a place where um, that 
you know, your body can handle that right now if it's not too overly stressed. And I think that's probably mostly the bottom line of it. Would you agree? Totally. You know, I, I think if we just stay um, omnivores and eat uh, the rainbow of food and a big variety of food, we don't eat right when we wake up. We don't eat right when we go to bed and um, we eat real whole food. Uh, we would be in a much better place. Uh, 100%. I mean, it's, we don't need to overcomplicate it. It's just really, that's really what it, what it boils down to. Um, well, awesome. Before I'm so glad you, well, we kind of talked about your anchor meal, but along with your anchor meal, anchor meal, um, maybe you can tell us your favorite kind of protein and veggies to put together. And if you don't mind just kind of recapping again, kind of what your feeding fasting and workout schedule looks like on most days. Yeah. Um, so I, I always, like I said, I live from, I lived by what I called the 11, seven rule. So I would, uh, sleep from 11 to seven and I would eat from 11 to seven. And, um, I was very rigid about it, uh, because I do like routine. Um, I'm a little less rigid now. I mean, I'm really okay if my husband and I, you know, have a date night late at night, or I have, you know, Sunday breakfast with some friends. I don't, obsess about that anymore. But now I'm the older I get and the more I'm learning about uh, when our body is most optimal, I'm really pushing more 10 to six. Uh, I get a little pushback from my husband because he's a hard worker and he likes to work as long as there's daylight hours. So he'd rather eat later. So um, I'm struggling to get <laughs> to get in at six, but he's, he's slowly giving in to me. Um, so it's more like 10 to six and sleeping. Same with sleep. I'm, I try to be in bed by nine 30 dead asleep by 10 and up by six. Cause I'm like you, uh, when the weather's permitting, I love to get up first thing in the morning and do a walk. It is my favorite part of the day as well. It's so amazing. Um, and I will work out, uh, usually I, I start around eight 30 and then I'll eat, like I said, around 10 and then I'll have another, uh, small meal usually around two. And then I'll try to have dinner by six. And I always have, everything on my plate. And I really try to uh, vary the colors. You know, I'll have a lot of greens with breakfast. Like I'll have spinach or spinach and avocado with egg. And, uh, if I can get away with a little bit of sausage and sauerkraut, I will as well. Uh, lunch is, it could be, if, if I'm on the go, I'll grab a handful of nuts and like a, an Epic bar or some, uh, naked, uh, it's a, a biltong. What is it called? Brooklyn biltong has a naked beef jerky and it's four ingredients. It's incredible. It's got apple cider vinegar, salt, pepper, and beef, I think. And so I feel comfortable eating that. And then dinner is a very large serving of vegetables <laughs> and a protein that uh, I vary the protein, you know, salmon, lots, grass-fed beef, chicken, pork, uh, lots of seafood. And um, I will have a little tiny piece of dark chocolate uh, most nights as well, because I, I enjoy that. And I know that it's good for me because it's, it's, I did my research. I know that surprises you. I did my research and found a chocolate that was pretty high in flavonoids and feel good eating that every night after my dinner. Oh, yummy. Which chocolate is that? It's actually Ghirardelli's 72% uh, dark chocolate. Nice. So it's I still got it. a little bit, yeah, it's still got a little bit of sweetness to it. Um, but it is the second highest, the highest is Montezuma's, but it's a hundred percent. Uh, dark chocolate. So it's very bitter, which I still enjoy. Um, but for most people, they want a little bit of sweetness in their chocolate. So look for the Ghirardelli 72% dark. Oh, that's a good tip. You're in Texas, very, right? Yeah. Kind of around the Dallas area. Is that correct? Yeah. In the yeah. McKinney area. Okay. Um, I'm going to have my, so my husband's a, um, a grass fed cattle rancher, you know, and um, I'm in Texas. We we live in West Texas and he delivers to Dallas area. So I'm going to have to have him come over and drop you off some of our grass fed beef. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I would love that. It's pretty good. He'll, we'll do that next time he comes to the big D area. Um, <laughs> okay. So what is your anchor verse, which is just a favorite Bible verse or one that is speaking to you presently? Yeah, um, definitely uh, Ephesians 4.2. <laughs> be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I just think in today's day and age with social media and the, the keyboard warriors and the people who think their way is the best way, um, that verse reminds me to stay patient, humble, kind <laughs> and to you know honestly not to not to jump to conclusions or jump to anger and to 
you know, be the empathetic self that I am and, and love on them instead of uh, getting angry. I love that. You know what else? I also love that for people to apply that to themselves, you know, and have some grace, especially in the, when somebody's really trying to change their health and their lifestyle habits, um, just to be loving and, and patient and, and grace filled for themselves as they go through it. I think we're so hard on ourselves and, um, and, and don't see, you know, the the good that we're trying to do, we're always focused on the bad. So that's, I love that verse. Yeah. Nobody's ever shared that one before on here. So oh, really? yeah, I love that you did. That's fantastic. This has been so great. So much fun for me to get to talk to you. Where can people find you and connect with you and um, be inspired by you? I really recommend people go and follow you and just be inspired by all that you're doing. Where would they do that? Oh, thank you. Um, well, Melissa Maid is my handle, so you will find Melissa Maid on Instagram. I think it's Melissa Maid official on TikTok, and I don't don't go on TikTok because I just copy everything from Instagram to TikTok with my whole six hundred followers. Um, the Melissa Maid Show podcast and um, Melissa Maid Online or MelissaMaid.com is my website. Perfect. Well, um, again, I thank you for taking the time to speak with us here and really just, you know, shine a light on some of these questions that we get all the time. I think it's can be so confusing for people. And I think we you laid some good things to rest and then also um, gave some good encouragement and advice and um, along the way. So thank you. I, I hope we can do it again sometime. That would be so fun. You're welcome. I had a great time in any time. All right, my friends. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.